Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on this episode, we'll talk about The Invisible Man, the greatest film of 2020. Which neither of us... Oh, you have seen. I saw. I went opening night. Or The Philadelphia Story. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about The Philadelphia Story. We could talk about The Invisible Man. We just both saw that trailer and thought, we don't need to talk about that. And yeah. here I am saying, greatest film of all time. Great. Uh, but before we get there, Kylie has had some monumental shifts. I, we don't know how permanent they are yet, but... In her top 100. Yeah. Alright, Kylie, talk us through it. Well, so I updated my top 100. Uh-huh. And I, I put the sound of music down a little bit, and here's one of the reasons... I haven't watched it in a while. Okay. And I love it, and I play it through my head a lot, but I'm never like, you know, let's sit down, let's let's open the sound. <laughs> let's play some music. Yeah. However, yeah. Mm-hmm. my other top four, I have played, I have watched every year. Okay. So, number one, I put Little Miss Sunshine. Great. Good Seems call. like who I am. Yeah. Number two, The Hunt. Jorgen? Jorgen? Jargon? I don't know the actual Dutch name. Okay. Three. It's such a beautiful day. It's always been number three. It'll stay at number three forever. <laughs> the third best film of all time forever. And yes. then Billy Elliot, uh-huh. who was in the top ten, is now at number four. Star Wars also made a large leap, because after all this whole Star Wars buzz, and I was like, man, I really just want to watch Star Wars over and over again. It made a jump. It was yeah. in the top 20. It's now in the top 10. Ooh. I've accepted. Well, Moon was my highest rated uh, sci-fi film. And I was like, I like Moon a lot, but like Star Wars. Yeah. There's no lightsabers in Moon. Just to be clear. Yeah. Star Wars 77. Like OG Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Okay, the perfect. name of the yeah. film. The only film called Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. The rest of them have silly colons. <laughs> They have necessary colons. Why? You could just say episode five and I'd be cool. Yeah, well, listen, you'd still have to put something there. It can't just be Star Wars episode five. Star Wars hyphen episode five? Star Wars oh, colon episode five? You're talking five. about the punctuation. Yeah, okay. absolutely. When I yeah. say that silly semicolon, I meant like a subtitle. Oh, yeah. Subs. What do you call that? I don't know. Subtitles. Okay. Sub- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now, I think all films need endless subtitles. I know, that's why you were so angry at Frozen 2. (laughs) Yeah, why is it just two? Give me a stupid subtitle. Well, that's what I kind of like about Iron Man, is that it's it's really easy. I know exactly which order they came in. It goes Iron Man, Iron Man 3, and yeah, this The is Amazing why, Spider. This is why my favorite one is going to be Doctor Strange, because it's Doctor Strange, and then Doctor Strange, and I'm pretty sure the subtitle for the next one is like, and the madness of the multiverse, or some multi multiverse and madness are in this title, and I'm on board. Is Wanda in it? I, I'm assuming. That, because Mia Culpa, uh-huh. she just seems like, that seems like a perfect pair. Yeah. Listen, A, Cumberbatch, pretty good. B, Elizabeth Olsen, she could probably be pretty good. We haven't <laughs> given her much. We're giving her a TV show. I know, I'm pretty excited. Right. I actually really like her in Infinity War, which is the most she has to do. Oh, you mean where she has scenes and... Uh-huh dialogue and purpose oh, and yeah. 
Yeah, I quite like her in that because we allowed her to have a performance and a character. I actually, I like Wanda a lot. Yeah. She's given so little that it seems unjustified <laughs> yes. by how much I'm allowed to like her. Feel the same way about Mantis. Love Mantis. Yeah. Feel unjustified to be able to be like, you know what, Mantis is number two of my Marvel ranking. Mantis has one purpose. <laughs> How are you feeling? I It's a perfect superpower because in all of these movies, it's all these aggressive things. And then she just has a very, like, sweet and sensitive power that I think we should adore. And the pairing with Drax is quite solid. Oh, uh, you know, she brings out a little too much funny from him. Oh, okay, so sorry. Dial it back a little bit. <laughs> this is how we got to my spy. Oh, okay. Oh. I can't wait for my spy. My list officially is still private because I only have 99 films. Oh. So. But here's the question. You have 99 films. So but is a witch one? <laughs> what? Is the witch one? Why would it be? I don't know. Listen, I, just, I thought it fit the, the rhyme of the, 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 the song and... I have a question. Yeah, what's up? When you had your horror movie section in alphabetical order, oh, good times. did you have it under W or V? Because I thought about- W. I think it's W. I think it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to be like, I don't know. I you just, wanted I, to be able to find it? Yeah. I was I was driving down the highway and I thought about that a few days ago and I was like, what if he put it in the W section? <laughs> Don't worry, there's less subjectivity with how it's currently organized. I'll, it, it, it brings a lot more peace to me. <laughs> I can't argue with a lot of these things of like, mm, Josh, that's not in alphabetical order. Now I can just be like, I don't know if that's John, James, James Wan's order, yeah. but it is. Yeah. Ooh, you're filling out pretty nicely with the YTT. I think you're yeah. only missing like two. Boy and Shark versus Eagle? Eagle versus Shark. Whatever that is. Bird versus shark? Eagle versus shark. Eagle versus shark. Yeah. Great. And boy. I watched Boy. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Solid movie. Good director. Yeah. Um, you know what my favorite part of the Way Back trailer is? Uh, that moment where Ben Affleck cries? No, it's that moment where it says, Academy Award winner, Ben Affleck. And you sit there and you're like, well, yeah, but... <laughs> Not for this skill. But, well, maybe he wrote The Way Back. Oh. <laughs> Secretly he wrote and directed it. Well, no, da Gavin O'Connor did it. Oh, okay. Well, that could be a pseudonym. <laughs> <laughs> that just Have you ever seen Ben Affleck and Gavin O'Connor in the same room at I, the same time? I threw that at you way too quickly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, nope. It's written by Brad Inglesby and Gavin O'Connor. I mean, have you ever seen Ben Affleck and Gavin O'Connor in the same room at the same time? No, but I've seen almost all of his filmography. Gavin O'Connor? Yeah. Un what? Like, un... What's Gavin got? Do you want from the beginning to now or now to the beginning? Now to the beginning, but wait a minute. Is he the Ender's Game guy? No. Okay, that's... That's a different Gavin. That might be Gavin Hood. Can't help you with that so one. So sorry. Yeah. The Way Back. Okay. Okay? Looks great. Gonna win all the Oscars. Yep, absolutely. Um, the accountant, problematic. Ugh. Made lots of money. Yeah, it's true. Jane got a gun. 
terrible movie. <laughs> I don't really blame him for a lot of stuff. It seemed like he picked up the shattered pieces and he was told, recreate this window, and all he was given was a glue stick. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Warrior. Love this film. Oh, okay. Love it without any... Without any hesitation. Is, is that 99? Warrior is 2011. No, no, I'm saying is that is that your... Oh is my... That the, is that the film that finishes it out? Is that 100? Starring Joel Egerton and Tom Hardy as brothers. Ah, uh, listen, you buried the lead of who's in that movie. That is a Nick Nolte joint. He's like an Oscar nominee. <laughs> for it. You know who else is in it? Who? Ben Affleck? The Netflix... Or the... Red Box King himself. Steven Seagal? Frank Grillo. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Steven Seagal's the Duke of Red Box. You oh, okay. should check here. Uh, okay, so. so sorry. So sorry. Pride and glory. Is Nick Cage the Lord? <laughs> yeah, Nick Cage is. <laughs> it's got lots of titles there. Pride and glory. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. I've heard of. Pain and Glory. No, Pride and Glory. And I've heard of Pain and Gain, but not Pride and Glory. I've heard of Glory. Pride and Glory. No, yeah. It's got, it's Noah, <laughs> sorry, Noah Emmerich. Nolan? Noah. Noah? Noah Emmerich. Who that? What? So you remember the Truman Show? Yeah. You know how he has a, a friend? friend? Okay, I know who we're talking about. Noah okay. Emmerich. Yeah. Okay, yeah. With that, like, plain face who's in everything, but yeah. he's not in everything. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Then it's got, um, hard to work with actor, I gotta look at his name, Edward Norton. Okay, great. Forgot yeah, his name. I literally was gonna say Ed Norton. I should've just done it. You should've. Uh, we're on, <laughs> we're getting close to his renaissance of Colin Farrell. Okay. Not a very good performance by him. And of course, John Voight. Ah, yes. Everyone's <laughs> favorite FDR, John Voight. And then we got a film that you do not like. Okay. Called Miracle. I don't dislike Miracle. It's just fine. Now, two films I have not heard of. Tumbleweeds. It's, it looks like a mother-daughter thing. Great. Love it. Oh, okay. It's it's by some lady inspired by the memories of a childhood on the road spent with her serial marrying mother. And then, comfortably numb. Based on Pink Floyd. Uh, you know, the Wikipedia page has a single sentence and that's all that there is. I love it. Bring it. Oh, Comfortably Numb is a 1995 American independent drama film co-written and directed by Gavin O'Connor. I, I need to see this. It doesn't I, even I, tell I, us what it's I, about. This is everything I need, apparently. Well, listen, I'm glad Gavin has had... O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. I was just going to first name him. We're on first name basis. We're not, though. I'm glad Gavs, Gavi Gavs, the Gavmeister, the Gavinator, has had such a... I mean, it's good for him. It's a long career. Mm -hmm. He was going to do the Suicide Squad the sequel. Uh-huh. Um, but then he exited the project to help with um, story treatment for Birds of Prey. All right. And now the way back. You know. I mean, he probably picked the better yeah. <laughs> film to help out with. 
But as I looked at the su- uh, the Suicide Squad cast, um, uh-huh. they brought back like three people from the original, and Jack Courtney was one of them. And I was like, huh, strange choice. <laughs> Bold move, James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones are Rick Flag and Harley Quinn. Is Rick Flag Scott Eastwood? No, that guy died. Oh, okay. Rick Flag is. He's in the show The Killing. Joel Kidman. Kevin Bacon. Joel Kidman. No, he's in the following. Oh, dang it! Oh. You're such a disappointment. <laughs> For many reasons. Joel Kidman? Uh-huh, yeah. That's a person. Yep. Yeah. Rick okay. Flag. Great. The leader. This is Katana. She's got my back. Didn't they recast Will Smith's character? Um, well, so I heard it was supposed to be Idris Elba, but then, like, that hasn't been confirmed. So we're gonna find out. Okay. I would say, like, Idris Elba's too good for that, but no. I think Idris Elba's the new Michael Caine. Let me... Fantastic actor. Mm -hmm. Will do any script you put in front of him. Listen, he's already got Luther. He's proven himself. I don't care what he does at this point. No, that's not me saying that he's (laughs) bad by any means. It's the Michael Caine syndrome. You're like, well, okay, I'll be in Cats. Why not? Sure, it's here. Oh, Aaron, you want me to do Molly's game? Sure, let's go. We're right over this way. Okay, well, that was a good time. Yeah, I know. He was great in that. I picked a bad one and a good one. And then the Dark Tower, where he gives a fantastic performance alongside Matthew McConaughey in a poor movie. So the Invisible Man? Oh, it was a good time. Anyway, so, Philadelphia story. <laughs> Alright, Kylie. Uh, we are here to talk about the Philadelphia story because um, I have a show this weekend, which means I couldn't get to the movie theater before we had to record this episode. Because I, otherwise I feel like we would have just talked about The Invisible Man. So, uh, we're here to talk about the Philadelphia story because we wanted to do a classic, a classic comedy, and we landed on this classic comedy. 1940s The Philadelphia Story, starring um, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart, as well as other folks. But yeah, um, before we get jumping into the film, Kylie, I had a inquiry of half fortnight for you. Okay, well your question can't be, what's your favorite Cary Grant movie? Okay. Or Catherine Hep- Hepburn movie? Uh-huh. Or classic actor, because we've already done that. Okay, uh-huh. Kylie... We've probably also done the Jimmy Stewart question. We probably have to, yeah. Uh, it's not that. It's Kayla, let's you you've seen this movie. What's I've your, seen this movie. What's your favorite city in a title? What's movie? your favorite city in a title? No. Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a a, a, fa- a a recast. We're gonna remake the Philadelphia story. Kylie, who are you putting in it? Who's who's going in your version of twenty twenty twos? Because we're gonna take a little bit to make this. Version of the Philadelphia story. Okay, so Jimmy Stewart will be played by Taika Waititi. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I got one done. Is he doing the Jimmy Stewart impersonation? <laughs> no. Okay, okay. He's just, he's being himself. Okay. Okay, so that's one. I only have to do the top three, right? Yeah, it's just the top three. Yeah. So then I need a, I need a Catherine Hepburn. Okay, uh-huh. let's find out how old Taika Waititi is so that I get some age appropriate. Because, yeah. I mean, that one's sticking. I did some fan casting of the live-action uh, Tangled movie that's apparently in casting right now. And I accidentally picked people that were, like, ten-plus years apart. And I was like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Apparently Zendaya and Henry Goulding are, like, ten years apart. 
Uh-huh. Did not know that. Zendaya's, like, my age. Yeah, I thought Henry Golding was younger. Okay. Yeah. So, Elizabeth Uper will be Catherine Hepburn. I love it. Okay. Now I just need Cary Grant. Yeah. So I need a boring guy. <laughs> He's not always boring, but he kind of is. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you there. Thank you. Boring, um... boring pretty guy. Boring, mean... pretty guy? I have pretty guy. Oh, okay. Sometimes he's a little boring, but okay. sometimes he's just weird. Okay. You've already named him. Henry Goulding. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> the age differences goes 44, 66, and I don't know how old Henry Goulding is. <laughs> he's like 30. Ah, perfect. <laughs> this seems like the perfect combination. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another option. Uh-huh. Another option. A little, still quite boring. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Here's a good one. Okay. I got, I've changed. Okay, Cary Grant, as played by Army Hammer. Oh, that's a good choice. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to go with Henry Cavill, and then my mind went to the man from Uncle, so then I got, I got here, I got here. Henry Cavill also boring. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently nice to look at? I have not seen much that he's in. My favorite performance of his is Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. Um, however, my favorite performance is really in the trailer because he makes a sound effect when he gets ready to punch. <laughs> Which is not in the movie. And oh. I think we all would have been perfectly I, fine with it yes, happening. Yes, I agree with you. Okay. Uh, it's interesting that you went with Henry Goulding because... No, I went with Army Hammer. Oh, you went with Army Hammer. You talked about Henry Goulding, though. Because mm-hmm. my, my my person that I... I, I just did... I don't, I don't even look at ages. So, okay, great. I'm just going to say that out loud. Um, and I only have two so far. Um, I want Constance Wu as my as my Catherine Hepburn. Okay. I think that's going to be a good choice. I think it's going to, like... And I then think, Henry yeah. Goulding. No, no, then... no. It was just because, and like... Stephen Ewan. Stephen like, yeah. Ewan as the guy. Or, or Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh as Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> okay, you're gonna... She, she can do it. She has the range. Okay, so it's Michelle Yeoh as Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And then... Henry Goulding as Catherine Hepburn, uh-huh. and then Constance Wu as Cary Grant. Or, or I mean, Aquafina could be Aquafina. Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> she could probably do the accent. No, Aquafina's gonna be the mom. Okay. <laughs> I think she should be the little sister. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no one's gonna be the dad because we're, we're, we're that character is out of this movie. Goodbye. Um, okay, you're gonna be a little. You're gonna be a little upset. But I'm gonna do this anyway. It's gonna be fine, or we're gonna be okay. Why do you know I'll be upset? I don't because I think. Are, are you picking Eric Banana? Yeah, then I'll be very upset. <laughs> no, I'm not picking the banana. My Jimmy Stewart. Gotta just stay with me. It's Tom Hardy because I want him to do a voice. I just I need Tom Hardy to do a Jimmy Stewart voice, and this is what I need in my life. Well, that's why I went with someone who also has like a distinct. Like voice or accent. Yes, yeah. The other choice there is actually Ben Mendelsohn because Ben Mendelsohn has a very distinct okay voice. Uh-huh. Like Yeah, that's a good call. Thank uh-huh. I yeah. thank you. Yeah. I am brilliant. <laughs> I know. Okay, so I've got Tom Hardy as Jimmy Stewart. Uh-huh. And I've got Constance Wu. I need one more. Who's who's the pretty person? Ben Mendelsohn. The pretty person? What kind of age are you looking for? 
I mean, constant Wu Tom Hardy age. I don't know what that is. <sighs> James Marston. James Marston. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very disappointing thing that our trivia name did not get read out fully every single so time. I was so bummed. I'm gonna put Daniel Kaluuya there. Ooh. I just, I just want to see him do it. He, he has a very sensitive eyes. Yeah, and like I, he's I, also very like he can be very terrifying. But I also kind of want, like, I want to see him be charming. Like I want that to be a thing that I want to see if he can do. Uh. We both saw the first five minutes of Get Out. Yeah, very charming. He can yeah, be. Absolutely. So <laughs> Not to say yes. he's not charming for the rest of that film, but, like, <laughs> he has some other things to worry about. He's not all, like, charming in the second place. That's, so, like... Yeah. I mean, like... So, speaking of Get Out, there is another actor who we know can be charming from that. Ah. Like, Keith Stanfield. But Keith was in my brain, too. Yeah. Um, I... Because I had it... As I was thinking through, I was like... I was like, Keith? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Daniel... I had Mahershala for a hot second, mm-hmm. uh, but then I was with Daniel. I was like, I think I want to see like that range of him because, to, if I'm being honest a little bit about the Philadelphia story, it's not that much of a comedy. Like, I'm sure it was more of a comedy in its day. We just don't understand the comedy. There's back just then. A, it seems to be a comedy of manners in a lot of ways, and so what holds true and what's interesting still is kind of the emotional arc and the social uh commentary and the social underpinnings of the story do we have to get george george oh george is the husband yeah i I, I call ben mendelson for that (laughs) george is kind of a loser and ben (sighs) mendelson can play that with a t is that really what you want ben to do i think ben is great in everything i mean yeah but like just wants to be the side piece All right, you're right. Kevin Costner <laughs> as George. Because I have a little bit of an older cast. Okay. So. Uh-huh. The Art of Racing in the Rain himself. Yeah. Or Edgar. I got it. I got my answer. Someone brought up Sugar Ray Leonard in the math class I was in, and I was like, ah, he beat the Hands of Stone. And I was like... He also fought Raging Bull, I think. You're like, Usher? And I was like, I don't, they're, they asked if I knew those people's names, and I was like, no, the Hands of Stone <laughs> and the Raging Bull, but I know Sugar Ray Leonard. Yep, because he's in both. <laughs> yeah, that's why I know yeah, his name. I don't know why I know that name. I don't know how my ages are doing all over the place, but I'm... The You're going to make Usher the husband? <laughs> no, it's not going to be Usher. Um, I just like giving Diego Luna work, so I'm going to give Diego Luna work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. It's a good one. Yeah. He hasn't been in much since Star Wars Rogue, Rogue One. But what? So, what is he up to? I mean, there's apparently talk of there's going to be a cast series. He's dead though. Is it's it just going to be? Is it just prequel? It's just going to be seven episodes of like watching sand on the beach, <laughs> <laughs> watching his ashes spread. No, we're just going to learn that he's like a force ghost. He was in Narcos. It's sweet. Okay. Uh huh. You can't be a for- force ghost. Well. Oh yeah, he was in If Bell Street Could Talk. Oh yeah. Flatliners. Uh, that that gem. <sighs> yeah. Anyways. 
All right, listeners. Well, if you want to tell us who you're going to put in your modern recasting of the Philadelphia story, you can do so at Friend of a Friend Podcast at Squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. That helps us get more listeners. There's not any really fun sounds in this movie. No, they're not. (laughs) I'm going to just do Jimmy Stewart singing the Wizard of Oz songs. I don't do that. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's too far. Yeah, I'm a regular person. Oh, but it's Jimmy Stewart. He's got that good voice. I don't think my Jimmy Stewart impersonation's very good, but I think I do it every time we talk about a Jimmy Stewart movie. Oh, Mary. All right, let's get on with the show. Uh, Kylie, is this your first time seeing the Philadelphia story? Yeah. Nice. Sorry, I made some sounds with Charlie, but I was trying to give him from to stop eating the bread. He's hungry. He gets food in like 25 minutes. But he's hungry now. Well, he's gonna have to wait. Hmm. He seems pretty okay with just being held. Anyways, so, Josh, this movie. Yeah. Why'd you pick it? Okay, so, I, I like The Philadelphia Story, and I've watched it a lot. Um, it definitely has some elements that don't hold up, and we're going to talk about those. Two reasons. One, Catherine Hepburn, Amy uh, Graham, has been a really... She's a figure that I enjoy watching. She's an actor that I enjoy watching a lot of. Um, and I think that if you're learning and researching and wanting to know about classic film, watching through Katherine Hepburn's greatest roles is a pretty good way to go. Jimmy Stewart is one of my one of my, my dudes. He's one of my top favorite actors. And uh, this is, for me, arguably probably his greatest... I It's one of his greatest roles. I think it's one of his better performances. Um... And I just overall remember enjoying watching and liking this movie. Also, I'm pretty sure that we had said we wanted to do a classic in this whole, and then you said comedy. And this was the one that came to my brain. It's not that funny, though. It is a romantic <clears throat> comedy, though. Just because, like, the, the humor doesn't land uh, as Did well. Did I ask for a rom-com? No, I think I asked for a comedy. Yeah, but, like, when you're going classic comedies... <laughs> Like, I struggle because, like, if... The stuff that's, like, comedy, full-out word, is very slapstick. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, Groucho Marx and... Um, Chaplin. Chaplin and Keaton, and then moving forward to the Three Stooges. And there is other comedy, but, like, in this era, what the comedies you're going to get are very... They're, they're situational comedy. They're comedy of errors, comedy of manners... Um, kind of stories about people in situations doing somewhat comedic things. It's, it's yeah. And so that's, I think, where you see a lot of the rom-coms and the romance films that, that kind of bleed through. And this is... It's on the edge of what they would call um, a kind of like a more... A more slapsticky kind of romance. Something like Bringing Up Baby has a lot more physical comedy to it than there. But these screwball comedies that are here are setting up situations in which the everyday folk would not necessarily find themselves in and then to find the humor in that. 
Um, did you enjoy your experience watching the Philadelphia stories? I didn't disenjoy it. There you go. Alright. Um, I was confused the first time, so then I had to pay attention the second time. <laughs> yes, it is a it is a play. It is basically a play on film. There's so much talking. No. Oh, all the people are exactly the same. Except for Jimmy Stewart. Oh, love him. <laughs> He's the only one that sounds different. But Dexter and George, that I had I struggled to separate those two. Yeah. And then at the end, I was confused about why the choice she made. Oh, we all are. Oh, okay. I mean, the time. The only thing that I can say is times. The times. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, in terms of Cary Grant versus Jimmy Stewart, the accepted knowledge is Cary Grant. You take Cary Grant. Um, so a little bit of context to the Philadelphia story, which I think can be helpful. So in 1930, I want to say it's eight, it's either 37 or 38, there's this article that comes out in one of the trade papers that is about box office poison and actors who are to box office poison. And jo and there are like eight or ten actors that are listed on there and the biggest names are like Joan Crawford and Katherine Hepburn. And this was partially done because the studios were like, these actors are costing us a lot of money and their films are not bringing in as much money because of that. So what they tried to do is sabotage the careers of the actors on there. And so they, they started printing in the trade papers that, they, that people were no longer seeing their movies and they were a box office poison. So Catherine Hepburn, all of the actors dealt with this in many different ways. There's a one, there's wonderful episodes of uh, you must remember this on the situation for more detail. But specifically dealing with Catherine Hepburn, she then decided the best way to kind of help save her career was to start making more strategic choices about the films that she was doing, based around her persona and the Catherine Hepburn image, which. In the 1930s, when she was, you know, becoming a big film star, even the fact that a woman was allowed to wear pants on screen was scandalous. There were some directors that would even refuse to work with her because of her independent streak and how difficult she was and the fact that she wanted to have a say in the roles that she portrayed on film. And so the characters she were playing were out of type for a lot of traditional women's roles. And so she got famous for that. And then there became, after this box office poison, there became a small backlash on, um, on her career because people were like, yeah, she's not the quote unquote type of woman who we want um, to be a leading star in Hollywood. So she goes to New York. She goes to Broadway. And there's this play, The Philadelphia Story, that is written basically to help revive her image and her career. And she then procures the rights. So she owns the rights to this. And she stars in it on Broadway. And it runs and runs for years. And then she finally gets to come back to film because the studio that produces this is like, well, Catherine Hepburn, or we want to do this play, it's a big hit. Broadway play is going to film was a lot bigger story. And she's like, great, I own the rights. I will be in this movie with Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart, otherwise it won't happen. 
and they agreed to all of it and this movie then almost single-handedly helped revive Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn's career and help basically she in this film is trying to adjust the image that she has in the society saying that like it her being this independent woman with this strong opinionated point of view is okay as long as there is someone there to help put her in place in the society she's too critical She's too critical of everything and everyone, which is why there are so many scenes in this film where there are people telling her what's wrong with her. In ways, she's giving the audience the fantasy of yelling at her in order for them to accept her. And then when it comes around that she's with Cary Grant, the biggest star of all time, the traditional man's man in this movie then it's okay to accept her for who she is because we've put her in her place. So what you're saying is the fandom menace has been around for years. Yes. For, like, the internet just gave it a large voice. All right, hear me out. We cancel all movies. We're done. (laughs) No more movies? We're we're done with them? No! No more movies! So that's the context as to how and where and why the Philadelphia story is made and what Katherine Hepburn is trying to do with this movie in reviving her career. And in a lot of ways, it's one of the, it's, it's a film that has, though it, it has a male writer and a male director, Katherine Hepburn's voice as a producer and as the owner of the story is kind of all over the story that she is trying to tell and to revive her career. I think that's an interesting element of this movie. Well, I guess that's why things happen the way they do. But, (laughs) that being said, I like having the context, but you don't need the context to talk about the film. Because I think the film should stand without the context. Context, great. What's the film that's left? I, as I said... Pretty uh, okay! Yeah. Yeah. Pretty okay. Okay. I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching this movie. Uh, to to dive very briefly into the is there problematic elements and characters in this movie conversation? Yes, yeah. yes, there is. It's a movie from nineteen forty. Um, I mean, it's not a very hot take to say like yeah. things don't always age well. Yeah. So I think that if we are going to talk about those elements of the movie, which are mostly not mostly, there is. That the dad is super hard to watch and talk about. So his plot in this movie is he's having an affair, and they cu- and that's why he's not around for the wedding of uh, Catherine Hepburn and George. Um, and he's like blackmailing them or something. Uh, somebody somebody's blackmailing, blackmailing him. him, so that way the paper can cover the story. And this paper's called like Sparks or something. Zaps. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. What's the paper? Yeah. I don't know the name of the paper. Oh, it's your yeah. favorite movie. You can't tell <laughs> me the name movie. of the movie. I like this movie. It's not my favorite movie. It's your favorite movie ever, ever made. I think it's an important movie in film history, and I'm glad that we're going to talk about it. But like, not my favorite movie. Spy. Ever made. Spy. There you go. Spy magazine. Um. Um. Opinion. Okay. Ruth Hussey. Uh huh. Husey. Husey. <laughs> Is that, the, is that Jimmy Stewart's assistant lady? Liz. Liz. Ah, she's all-time great. Uh-huh, yeah. 
Go for it. Loved her character. Yeah, she was funny. She was great. She didn't take Jimmy Stewart's crap like none of us should. <laughs> I mean, I mean Jim, Jimmy Stewart wasn't like the worst person in here, but like he was a 1940s male. Yes, so. yes. I Their dynamic is kind of my favorite dynamic of this mm-hmm. movie. The movie really starts to like move along once we finally get introduced to Stuart and Liz. Um, I Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think one of the more... For me, one of the more comedic, funny scenes of this movie is the first time where they go to uh, Catherine Hepburn's character's house. And there's that uncle bit. Um, well, the uncle bit's <laughs> solid. I also like that the little girl, who we've clearly seen, like, come down in the first scene, and she's like, she rides horses. And she's, she's annoying. And, and she comes down, and she's like, look at how annoying I am. Yes, and Jimmy like, Stewart and Liz are like, what are we supposed to do here? <laughs> and she's, like, in a ballet outfit. She's like, oh, I can sing, and I can play the piano. And then Catherine Hepburn comes in. And, and what I, what it's really good about that, and what I think so works about that scene, because it's funny and it's also it's talking about society and class and this is a conversation that we're still having we will always have but this idea of like trying to take uh, a look at what the upper crest of society is and looks like and then the upper crest of society knows what the what everyone thinks they are so if they wanted to they could just like oh I'll play into these stereotypes and stuff like that and so the ideas of class and wealth are all throughout this movie because, like, George himself, like, the, the side piece doesn't come from money. He wants it. He wants to marry into it. And so there are all these little digs that Catherine Hepburn does at him throughout this movie as well. Like, he can't ride a horse at one point. And she's like, well, you can't do... Yeah, Tracy is awful. Yeah. She is an elitist. <sighs> so it's a weird film, Josh. <laughs> And then at the end, uh, she goes swimming, and she, Jimmy Stewart has to tuck her into bed, and then she breaks off her wedding, and here we are, she's short of groom, Jimmy Stewart's like, I'll marry you, and you're like, why? (laughs) You've had like two scenes together. Because, because, okay, listen. Because he also wants all the money. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'm gonna tell you what. What, what, what the, there is so much chemistry on screen between Hepburn and Stewart. Like I was all for it all day long. Like give me those scenes. Like they were the scenes where I was like, dude, yes, are they gonna? They're gonna. Like let's do it. Like I was like they're like Grant, Cary Grant, like traditionally like tall drink of water, like beautiful man. Would have made her mom happy. Her mom and her sister love Cary Grant. They already were married once. Cary Grant made mistakes. Oh, he drank because she was too self-critical. The movie literally starts with him face palming. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Like literally, this movie is like, isn't she awful? Um, yeah, that was a weird opening scene. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, there's very little talking. And yeah. Then, and then it just happens and you're like, um, okay. And then hard cut to whatever's happening. And like two years later. Of course is. But Stuart and Hepburn have, I don't know, it's amazing chemistry. I'm like, do it. Get the pool. Like, go dance. Go dance with each other. Get out of here, George. Like, just watching them on screen is, like, almost for me, like, the definition of, like, classic Hollywood actors in classic Hollywood style, just, like, crackling dialogue and, like, just just going at each other. And I was on board. 
But it was all part of Dexter's plan to get her back this whole time. Dexter Jetster? In this whole convoluted ordeal. It is a very convoluted ordeal. It should not work. <laughs> Yet it does. She is trying... His whole plan is that he's going to bring in these newspaper people and then it's going to break off the marriage and... Rah. Does he bring in the newspaper people? I don't know. There's a lot going on. There is a lot. I think that he brings in the newspaper people, but I'm not sure. That is a standard element of a screwball comedy is a kind of convoluted, like, over-the-complicated plot. Yeah, well. Listen, I'm going to destroy your mm, possible marriage so that you could marry me. Oh, that's so romantic. Aw, what a nice guy. I'll be less critical. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. The <laughs> politics of it don't work today. I don't care about the politics. I'm talking about just the emotions. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awkward. Like, I this is why this is why for me, like, I know this is like an all-time like great, like considered to be an all-time great movie. But for me, it, it's just held back a little bit because I'm like, no, Grant Grant's character in particular is I just don't understand why he's doing all the things that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, Grant's performance is really restrained. Um, and he's someone who usually when he's on screen, like he's got more personality, he's got more to do, he's got more like drive and motivation. But here he just seemed to be like happy to sit back and be puppet mastery guy. Because, and the interesting thing is, is she gave, Catherine Hepburn pretty much said, Cary Grant, which part do you want? And then, and he's technically, so he picks that one, and he's technically the top bill of the movie. Yeah, well, I don't really understand his character all that well. Yeah. And we don't actually understand their marriage all that well, other than the few, few, murms and whispers that they talk about it but overall all you see is that opening scene with no dialogue and he face palms her but you don't see their marriage beforehand you hear them talk about how he drank too much because she criticized him too much and then i don't their marriage fell apart but you don't really understand i guess i don't really understand their mar- like their before marriage all that well or i don't get a taste of it i and i think that's super intentional okay because if, I mean, for, and the reason I say that is, if the only clip we're going to get is of him face-palming her to the ground, mm-hmm. that can't be a marriage that we want to root to come back for. Okay. So I think what structurally they might be trying to do, or what would make sense with the script this at least, swerve? Is, is this a swerve? Is this a swerve? Swerve, Is that... He's gone away uh-huh. and come back a better person. Well, I don't get to see that either. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I <laughs> it seems like the playwright got to the end and he didn't know how to wrap it up. He was like, mm, fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I feel it went. The original person in that role is a person that you may have seen. Um, you have. Others may have seen them. He's in Citizen Kane. Orwell? Uh, it's not, no. It's, okay, well, I'm out of people <laughs> whose names I know in that. George Orwell is not in <laughs> Citizen Kane. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> it's also not Orson Welles. <laughs> it's, you uh... understand how I got there. <laughs> Or well, or well. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You're good. You're George. Good. You're good. You're Orson Welles. <laughs> He's building names. <laughs> um, 
Uh, no, his brother in the film is played by Joseph Cotton, who was the original guy who played the Cary Grant role. Okay. In the Broadway show. Yeah. Fun facts. These are just facts that I know. Um, okay, Stuart. I want to talk about Jimmy Stewart here for just one sec. The reason why I think this is one of his... Ah, uh, he's funny. I <laughs> hope you didn't read anything that I wrote. It's pretty bad. <laughs> He's also got this one little bit that I love where he's, like, walking through the house and, like, the butler or whoever is there, and, like, he's just touching things. And the butler's, like, st- like looks at him, like, stop it. And it just keeps, like, and he actually breaks something and then he goes off. It's, it's just a little bit. This character is just, is just a little askew from what we normally would see from a Jimmy Stewart character. And I really enjoy watching it because usually Jimmy Stewart uh, is really like straight down the line, like, I'm a good guy, I do good things, and I got on the moral conscience of the movie. And that's great. I like that that's his career and I love him for all those choices. Actual World War II fighter pilot Jimmy Stewart. Like, great. This film gives him a little bit more to chew on. Like, he doesn't like the, the, the people that he's with. Like, he's like, oh, the upper class, forget them. And I'm like, yeah, me too, buddy. Um, and even though he ends up falling for the Catherine Hepburn character, he does it in this way where he's kind of, like, sly. He's I wouldn't say he's, like, smarmy by any means, but, like, he knows that she's a married woman and yet, or going to be a married woman, and yet he's still a little, like, yeah, but I got some, uh, got some Jimmy Stewart energy over here that's just gonna be radiating. Hepburn's great. I like her a lot. She's doing, she's doing her thing. She's doing, she's trying to revive her career. She's doing well with it. Character is strange, but sure, whatevs. <laughs> We've talked about why it's a strange character. Um, any other final thoughts or things to say on the Philadelphia story? <sighs> No. Do you have it? This was your pick. This was a Josh pick. Yeah. Like, have you gotten all your thoughts out? I think so, out? yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think good. that I've successfully been like, hey, I like this movie. I don't necessarily like, like, so, is it would your, it... Is it in your top 100? I don't believe so. It used to be at one point, but I think like I've kind of adjusted down. Mm-hmm. It might be close to it, but like, that's mostly because I like its story and it's the story of the film itself, not necessarily the story of the, in the film. Mm-hmm. I like the pieces and the parts of it a, a lot, and the classic film history for me is just like something that I really enjoy talking about and being a part of and, and you know, understanding. And I love classic era Hollywood, and Jimmy Stewart's one of my faves, so yeah. Um, I would recommend this movie to others. I think it is a good way to to engage with classic Hollywood, and it is one of my all time favorite Jimmy Stewart performances. So wow, we yeah. aren't doing a, a classic movie for a long time. So <laughs> this is it. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it depends on what's your definition of classic. We got a '90s gem coming up soon. That's not classic. Good. I'm glad. Am I a classic person? You're, no. you're very classic. No. <laughs> All right, this was fun. All right, uh, hey everybody! If you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at Friend of a Friend Podcast. That's Squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. <sighs> that's it.
that helps us get more listeners. You can also find us on Twitter at uh, DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. WATT and Kylie Gallagher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. I'm Kylie. Quack, 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 quack.